parables of Jesus are a very striking facet of his teaching because many scholars conclude they are unique to him. There's no parables in the Acts of the Apostles or in Paul, and yet in the Gospels there are 40 or more parables, these stories that Jesus told, which are often confusing, maybe bizarre. It's really rather rare that they seem at least to make obvious sense, as say the parable of the Good Samaritan might do at a first glance. But I think Jesus was doing something quite subtle with this teaching, and in particular he wasn't using these stories to express a moral point, which actually might be rather obvious, so why need the story? So for example, with the Good Samaritan, who is the good neighbour, the one who looks after the person in the ditch? Now, would you really need a great story to make that point, which should be self-evidently clear? Rather, in the Good Samaritan, I think Jesus is saying what is more important to dwell on and to see whether you can find within yourself is that the Good Samaritan was free to respond to the need of the person in the ditch. And that inner freedom is what the kingdom of God is about, that then brings about other consequences such as caring for neighbour, but done now out of a kind of liberty rather than out of a duty. And so Jesus in that parable is actually undermining a moral teaching, which often leads people feeling bound and guilty and weighed down when Christianity is taken to be that, and instead is pointing to the freedom of the kingdom of God that can give away whatever is held and had because scarcity is replaced with abundance. Owen Barfield, the great friend of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, wrote about parables and the way that they function. I explored it quite a lot in my book, A Secret History of Christianity. And there Barfield says that parables are deeply linked to Jesus's repeated assertion, perhaps the most common thought of his in the New Testament, that the kingdom of God is revealed for those who have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. It's quite a paradoxical form of teaching a parable because you almost have to be ready to hear the message of it in order to hear the message of it, which I think is probably why people often try and force parables through the sieve of moral interpretation, rather than what Barfield called an initiation or even quite a violent perceptual change into the new world that's the kingdom. But when someone can tolerate the sense of what's this really saying? Why is this message being given in this way? What is Jesus driving at with these often strange analogies and metaphors? Then that can prepare them for the moment of conversion when a new revelation can not only become clear in their minds but settle in their hearts and draw us towards that which the eyes can see and the ears can hear, the kingdom of God. Barfield puts it at one point like this when he says Jesus needed something that would come 
part of the way to meet those who were following him. Some soil prepared and thirsty for the seed he came to sow. Some souls for whom his gospel, though new and startling, would yet, owing to their predispositions, not be so new as to seem wholly meaningless. That's Barfield explaining the meaning of the parable of the sower, which is not actually about sowing the seed of God's word and hoping that some of it falls on the good ground, i.e. people hear it in an evangelistic way, but rather it's a reflection on whether the seed that's sown on the ground of our minds in our interiority can fall on the ground that can enable it to flourish. So it's a sort of meta parable, a parable about the way that parables can work, because very often parables, it seems to me, fall on stony ground or fall on thin soil or fall on dry ground and so aren't able to settle into the mind of the hearer and bring forth the fruit that is a conversion to the kingdom. This is a long way of saying that I was delighted therefore to read in another book, John Paul Flintoff's new book, Psalms for the City. One of his poems there called Parables. It's a wonderful collection of parables and images set in and around London, which John Paul put together, as he explains in the introduction, in the wake of a crisis and a breakdown that led him to read the Psalms, read prayers, sit in churches and find a strange consolation there that he didn't interrogate too quickly, but instead let settle in his heart and it gave birth to a new perception of things which enabled him to return to a Christian sense of things that he'd been put off for all the reasons that people are often put off. And anyway, this book, which I can wholeheartedly recommend, is a product of that. And I asked John Paul whether I could read his poem, Parables, because it seemed to me to capture very much the essence so often missed of what parables are trying to do, which Jesus explained in that meta parable of the sower, and I think Barfield was onto too. And John Paul puts it like this in his short poem. I like the parables. We're walking along together, talking, and splash, a story plops into the water we didn't even know we swam in. Not just any old story, hardly a story at all, a puzzle, extended metaphor, plug for a different socket, coin for a different slot, key to someone else's front door. You take it, jiggle it about, baffled, annoyed, and then somehow you find a way to make sparks fly, hit the jackpot, fling the door open. I like that. No moral hint there. Parables are these stories that plop into our shared consciousness, perhaps in this image of the water that we didn't even know we swam in. And they're not just any old story. Are they puzzles? Are they metaphors? They certainly make us grapple with them, even make us annoyed with them. We kind of feel that there's a key that could be turned here if we can jiggle it about. And then as John Paul finishes in his poem, and then somehow you find a way. The spirit has moved within, the eyes have opened, the ears have heard to make sparks fly, hit the jackpot, 
fling the door open. This is one of John Paul's poems which, in a very fresh way, make sense to me of this old message, often confused and misunderstood, I'd say, about the nature of Christianity, perhaps, at least in some minds, being found afresh today.